on maynard.com.au. AU! Quick before the anaesthetic wears off, it's Bunga Bunga! With Tim Ferguson and Maynard. How's the anaesthetic going, Tim? You just had some, you've just been to the dentist. What was being done? Yeah, I feel very good. I once had to have a tooth removed and I, and I smoked this stuff. It was just fantastic, but they would not let me take it home. I was given gas this morning. And that's right, nitrous oxide, little bubbles. I've got to say, I stopped caring about everything, but the great thing was my dentist put on Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. There is no pain, you are a Dentistry is where it's at now, kids. So do you just have to keep filling it up with whipped cream bulbs? How is he doing this? I don't know, <laughs> but he had to keep going away and I heard this. <laughs> Are you having a cast made of your mouth? Did you think of going all the way and having your whole face done? I did. I really wanted to. I watched Game of Thrones the other night and I thought, well, I have what she's having. She's really had a lot of work done, old Melisandre. This is Bunga Bunga 26. <laughs> In today's show, we'll have some news. We'll answer your crank mail. Do you get the crank mail? No. We'll have a burning social issue. Yes! (laughs) And Tim will solve the problems of Australia once again. I've got something I've just got to get off my chest. Has anybody got a cloth? Tim, tell us what's been happening in the world of Doug Anthony All-Stars because we like to keep up on the whole thing. You've been doing some regional tours. You've done the Melbourne Town Hall. Let's have some issues. Let's name some names. Let's draw some drawings. Doug Anthony All-Stars in Melbourne sold out and we did it twice at the Town Hall, the big room. I told the boys again and again, we're going to sell it out, don't worry. But of course, they're so practical. They said, no, it can't be done. It can't be done. And I said, it can't be done, but it will be done. And so it has been done. What's next is I can now announce we are going to Townsville, we're going to Mackay, we're going to Brisbane, we're going to Adelaide because we don't know any better. We're going everywhere, including Wollongong, if that's a place. But the big news, Doug Anthony All-Stars, Edinburgh City. We are playing the Edinburgh Festival from August the 3rd to the 14th. So get yourself to the United Kingdom, get on a bus and keep going north until you get wet get out of the bus, complain, because it's Britain, and then come and see the Doug Anthony All-Stars. So that's all these shows in a row in Edinburgh. Are you doing any London shows at all? Yeah, we're going to London. I don't know where or when. Once we've done Edinburgh, we'll go to London and tear it a new one. People don't not go and complain because you aren't going to York or some parts of Wales, because we're talking Edinburgh and London only. Go see them. The great thing about the whole of Britain is it's only five minutes away to somewhere good. Paris. And in the Maynard world, we've got some stuff coming up on Saturday, the 7th of May at the Royal Exchange. That's right, in Bolton Street in Newcastle, I'm doing a Manadorama and it's called Newcastle Recriminations. It's a clip show of my early years performing. Maynardorama? Yes. I love it. Olivia Newton-John last time, that was a good one. Yeah, that was huge. The crowd went completely off in all terms of the word. In fact, they went off. 
and then they went off. And the great thing is the audience for the time before votes on what I'll do next time. So the reason we're doing the main ad recrimination show is because that's what the audience last time voted for. So if you want to have a chance to vote on what we do next month, come along. That's the 7th of May. It's the Royal Exchange, all one word, .com.au in Bolton Street. You can get tickets here or just turn up on the night and we are going to have some fun. Bubbling over with... Dean has the bar downstairs. It, it's a very cool venue to be at. 8 o'clock, sharp people, do not be late because we go on at 8 o'clock and we mock people who come late, as you guys do. And you don't want to miss the nude entrance. And you're doing Sydney as well shortly. Doug Anthony All-Stars are going to be playing at the Enmore, the Enmore Theatre on the 15th of May. The 15th of May, I think there are a couple of hundred tickets left, but we tend to sell out everything wherever we go so get on it beg and if i were you i would look back on this very stream planet maynard go back and look for the paul mcdermott interview i did with paul mcdermott almost an hour with paul i one of my favorite interviews and i bring up the last time you were at the end more where you put a garbage can over a girl's head and banged it with cricket bats he denied that this ever happened although i have had four independent reports that you did do that last time and don't forget the dead cat well there are cricket bats and there are baseball bats maynard your facts in that question were incorrect Correct. I sure hope you don't get another cat. That's right, the dead cat. Yeah. Some chick gave us a dead cat, and I really want to thank that person for that cat because I can still smell it on my hand. You made the best entrance, and I, I was backstage. I may have told the story before, just quickly. Tim had to make an entrance on stage, and he was given some lovely roses, and they were given a dead cat. We're talking like rigor mortis has set in. This cat was well and truly gone. How it got that way, we don't know. We don't want to know. Tim had these beautiful flowers. The audience came on stage, then he came on, he got a huge applause. And as he continued walking, people saw the cat on the stick and there was a through the audience. It was great. Hooray! Ah! It was the noise. And I remember saying, who wants the dead cat? And of course, lots of hands yes, went up. Exactly. People have no taste. And to prove that, it'll probably be a sellout show once again at the end more on the 15th. Yeah, I don't know why we tend to sell out, because really, it's not that we behave very well. I guess the people who like us, you know, are lonely. And wait a second. Hang on. That's a call. Hang on. Hello, darling. Hello, darling. And what else have you been up to? Tim, how's things going with Spin Out? You officially announced that your movie, Spin Out, is coming out. Has got an Australian release date now? Yeah, September 15. The 15th day of September. Put on a cowboy hat or a cowgirl hat, depending how you feel, and go to the cinema. And it won't be uh, one of those little cinemas. Go to one of the big cinemas and watch Spin Out, which is an Australian comedy movie with comedy and movie and Australia. For our US listeners like Ben and Emily, there's two of them we know for sure. When have they got a date for their release yet? Oh, not at all. If it goes well in Australia, then maybe overseas oh, we'll okay. have a brief look at it. But I would suggest to our overseas friends, particularly those in the United States, to spend some of your money, get out of the country before Donald Trump takes over, and come down to Australia and see Spin Out, September 15. Okay, well, we know that Emily's in the Bernie camp. I think Ben might be in the, in the Bernie camp as well. You're very much against the communist, aren't you? Yeah, oh, it's not I'm, I'm against him. It's just that Bernie is 74. Now, I don't know much about old age, but he's in the middle of it. And one thing the presidency does is it wakes you up at random. 
being president means people come in, they talk to you like this. <laughs> so just as you're going to sleep, they'll come in and wake you up like that. And I don't know how many months, let alone years, Bernie could possibly take. It is the most exhausting job you could ever take on. It's amazing that Bernie's still alive. It's amazing that Donald Trump is still able to talk. The only time Donald sounds like he's making sense is when he's completely exhausted. Have you been holding up, speaking of gruelling touring, you've had to be touring lots of places, flying around lots of places, and of course we know your two enemies are heat and late nights, and when you go into a venue that can probably happen, you're in a hot venue late at night. I just have to sort of keep cool and I keep my uh, fan with me at all time. Paul McDermott will stand there like a little Nubian, <laughs> fanning me like and I'm an Egyptian pharaoh. Nothing's really slowed me down. Cool. MS is more of an annoyance than mm. a hindrance. And your favourite line, which I will quote to people we've heard on the show before, the worst thing about your condition is it's boring, I believe you've been quoted as saying. It's, it's the least interesting thing about me. I mean, look at this hair and look at this one and another one. They're really quite amazing. The thing that really irritates me about having multiple sclerosis is the suggestions from complete strangers as to what I should be doing and taking. Are these normally from people who haven't got the condition as well? Of course, because the people who have the condition know that nothing works. So thank you very much for your cures for the incurable, but uh, maybe you should take a look at your own teeth before you start throwing new cures around. And to those chiropractors who chiropractify babies, I will see you in lockup, baby. I will see you in the lockup. Of course, we're coming to you live from the Madame Fufu Cafe here in Glebe Point Road, where occasionally some uh, cashed-up bogans will rev their ute and the 431 bus will come along and the wonderful patrons are being very nice and putting up with us being loud. They certainly are, and uh, Madame Fufu is probably Sydney's only technically, provably cool cafe. The others try... Madame Frou-Frou's way too busy. We have been to some other ones, but we keep coming back here. It's just got a nice locale, and we can hang up out the front and just say hello to people randomly as you go. Hello, sir. Hi. Yep, see, people say hello to you. The other great thing about Madame Frou-Frou is they have put no thought whatsoever into the decor, and I kind of like that. Oh, you have got the, uh, the upskirt mannequin directly above the coffee machine. That's like the silver skin upskirt mannequin. And what is she wearing, Maynard? Uh, it, well, it's a dress they change every once in a while. It's kind of like a, uh, a 50s motif going on. It could have been a member of the cast of the dressmaker up there. See, as you can see, no thought whatsoever. Time for crank mail. Do, 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 you, get, do you get the crank mail? Crank mail, crank mail, crank mail. Tim, that seems to be a small animal making some sort of urinary noise there, Tim. Do you want to speculate as to what it may be? Small animal? Oh. Small animal? Well, hush my mouth. <laughs> Maynard, that is a velociraptor. That's right, velociraptors piddle in a team, but it sounds like one stream. Listen to this. I put the word out on our Bunga Bunga page, and I recommend that you join up to the Bunga Bunga Facebook page to find out what's going on with the show, because you can get your crank mail in. But I also suggest that you subscribe, which doesn't cost a cent, to the Planet Maynard podcast. Just put Planet Maynard into your podcast app on iTunes, or you could download Downcast. That's the app I use. That costs a little bit of money, but it's a bit easier to fiddle with than iTunes. Just put Planet Maynard in, and you'll get every single show we do, which recently had Katie Manning, who was a companion of Doctor Who, on. You bet. And Katie Manning, of course, loves Maynard. She's crazy about Maynard, and we're crazy about Katie Manning. Mm. She used to hang around John Pertwee's Doctor Who. That's right. And nobody says, but Doctor, quite like Katie, but Doctor... Doctor, here, 
John Pertwee, I don't like to mix my metaphors like this, but he was like the Adam West of the Doctors. Don't believe it. It's bigger inside than out. Yes, that's because the TARDIS is dimensionally transcendental. What does that mean? It means that it's bigger inside than out. Yeah, he was. Uh, John Pertwee was um, the one with the voice and the snappy dresser. He liked his red wine, he enjoyed his camembert cheese. Oh, so you really ought to try this gorgonzola cheese. It's absolutely delicious. And he had a hoosicle. Remember, he had, he had the motorbike with the, the hoo cycle. Him and the brigadier, boy, they used to have arguments. I think uh, Katie Manning said that her most used line in, it almost seemed to be in every other episode, was, look out, Doctor, here comes a big one. <laughs> I went on tour with Katie Manning and uh, some of the Doctors Who. She was the most fun I've ever had on tour. She's always just ready. What are we doing now? Let's go out, let's drink, let's party. She was brilliant. Everybody mentioned to me the fact that she posed naked with a Dalek. Have you seen that? I'm speechless. I didn't know Katie could ever be naked. Well, she was in that sort of angle where she, her modesty was being protected by the suction cup. She's an English lady, Maynard. I can't believe she would ever confess to such a thing. It's on the internet there. It's on the internet. Everyone asks me, why didn't you ask her about it? Well, because that interview we did was in 1991. She happened to follow you guys into the studio one morning when I was interviewing you guys, and I talked to her then. Doug Anthony All-Star's big fans of Katie. We first met her at an Adelaide festival of some kind. She's with Barry Crocker. That's right, and she was doing a a, uh, fast play called Run For Your Wife. Oh, the hilarity. And we were a bit dumbstruck. There weren't many people in the world that the Doug Anthony's could be shut up by, but <laughs> we'd all had thoughts about Kating. And there she was, in the flesh, talking to us in English. Look, I'm up on the slag heap with the professor and we're surrounded by maggots. Please hurry. Well, let's go through our crank mail now. Like I said, Planet Maynard on iTunes. Get into that. They're all free and you can listen to them. And there's over 110 shows there, including 25 episodes of Bunga Bunga, which if you listen to them, I don't know if you'll learn more or not, Tim, really. Oh, you will always learn more. Play it backwards and you'll be able to hear very exciting messages. Make sure the house is locked when you do that because you will have a compulsion to go and do very bad things. Bunga Bunga! bunga. First question from Roshan Davies. She's asked one we've already answered. In your opinion, what is the best worst movie? I think we've answered this one. The short list is just roughly Roshan, our favourites, and I recommend you you don't watch all these in one night, but give it a go. There's Can't Stop the Music. Village people! That's fantastic! Xanadu. The Apple. Now a special experience in movie-going entertainment. The Apple. Maybe even flying high. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Yeah, flying high. What's your favourite joke from flying high? Because there's so many. My favourite joke from flying high is, what what do you make of this? (laughs) I can make a hat. I think that's very, very funny. Yep, Johnny's pretty good. And, of course, uh, where the old lady... uh, uh, is looking down on the black guy for drink, uh, having alcohol, then she racks up a line of coke and does it. That's pretty funny. Not many movies have that. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? Whether you could even do that gag now, who knows? One of the best, best, worst, worst was, of course, well, you know it, this one. Now, 
That is pretty good. And I think we'll have to have that at a Manana Rama one month, I think. Yeah. Ben Begley, our bus driving friend from the US, writes, any advice for dealing with stupid co-workers? And uh, Quitter also asks, she'd like to know stupid family members. So what's your, your capsule advice for dealing with stupid people at work and in the family environment? You can never be sure that they're the stupid one. That's the tricky thing about stupidity. I usually find that people who are saying, what an idiot, what an idiot, what an idiot, are actually bad drivers. I think in the academic field, this is known as the Dunning-Kruger effect, where you don't know what you don't know. You are unconsciously unaware. But if you do have proof that they are stupid, well, straight away, set fire to them, then dob them in for setting fire to themselves. If everybody knows they're stupid, who's going to blame you? Our friend Tony Push has written to us there, is it best to correct a fool or stay silent? I'm usually a give them enough rope kind of man. So I would say just stay silent because eventually they will shut up. Then cover them in petrol, set fire to them, which is my previous plan. Well, I have to say, it's not sourdough. Oh, okay. Why is that? My dad doesn't like that because of his teeth. Also, it's got the word sour in it. And even though I can't taste the sourness, I don't like that. And dull. It's supposed to be cooked. I would say my favourite is, well, everybody eats this stuff and likes it. Our guilty pleasure. Tip top. The white stuff? Totally white. They bleach it, I hope. Tip top. It's good for you in a roundabout way. And if you get a couple of pieces of it, compress it into a ball, you can chuck it at someone and really hurt them. You could take their eye out with something shaped like an eye. Bang, bang. Nobody knows who the real culprit is. Bread's one of the things I've managed to ban from the house. Bread, ice cream, or anything that may bring you any joy. Why do you ban bread, Maynard? As a weight kind of thing. As you kind of noticed, I'm a skinny guy. I want to stay that way. Bread makes you fat? If you eat a lot of it late at night with Vegemite on it, yeah. That's a real lot of it, though. One piece leads to another piece while you're watching Ren and Stimpy. Oh, uh, yeah. I tell you what I do like is those little bread rolls that you get in cheap restaurants. What? Cheap English cafes. Yeah. Bit of butter on that. You know it's bad for you, and yet you can't look away. Speaking of Ren and Stimpy, I watched the rubber nipple episode of Ren and Stimpy the other day. Google rubber nipple salesman Ren and Stimpy, and I think that's probably their most surreal one. Although when they did go to Mars and they had to hold their breath for 30 years for their equipment to arrive, that was kind of funny too. Rubber nipple salesman, worth a look. Hello, sir. Would you like to buy some shiny new rubber nipples? Hmm, nipples, huh? Let me ask the wife. Honey, are we short on rubber nipples? Now, dear, don't you go buying new rubber nipples when you don't use the ones you already have. Well, maybe I would if they weren't all chewed up. Make sure you erase your search history immediately after. <laughs> These things can be misconstrued. Oh, we've got a Doctor Who question here from uh, Sammy Satine. Sammy Satine, troublemaker. Is there a Dalek with two suction cups? That's a good question. That is a very good question. With two suction cups, the Dalek could climb up walls. Did Davros himself have any sort of suction cup action going on, the guy who made him in the first place? Suction cup you wait. She also wants to know, why do Daleks always say exterminate instead of just kill? Well, that's a very good question, Sammy Satine, and the answer is really very simple. The reason why they say exterminate is because they've got, well, they've got feelings. And 
Kill is such an emotive term. It implies hurting an individual, but it's bigger than that. That's right. The Daleks are playing a bigger game. You can kill a human, but they don't want to do that. They want to exterminate the human race. They're into genocide, these guys. Girls, whatever they are. Have they got gender binaries, the Daleks? I think they do. And also, they believe that what Stalin said is right. The death of one person is a statistic. And, uh... No, <laughs> you should know, Tim, when Stalin's talking, you listen. You don't just have one ear out the other. That's not the formula for a long life in the gulag. Well, it actually is a statistic. It's just a small one. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> now, Mr Burton from Adelaide wants to know, what is your opinion of the violent femmes, Tim? Uh-oh. What's gonna happen now? Violent Femmes are awesome. I know a guy, he's 16 year old, he's the son of some very dear friends. He said he'd never heard the Violent Femmes. Wow. He just shrugged. And it was like a moment I could see everybody in the room, their eyes light up because we then could play the Violent Femmes. There's nothing like them. Big music, so simply done. Big stories. Beautiful girl, lovely dress, high school smiles, oh yes. Beautiful girl, lovely dress, where she is now I can only guess. Cause it's gone, daddy gone, love is gone, it's gone, daddy gone. Love is gone, it's gone, daddy gone. Love is gone, it's gone, daddy gone. Love is gone away. It's just got everything you want. It's the voice of a generation. I was lucky enough on a number of occasions to play with the Violent Femmes because I was playing with a Melbourne band called Cattle Truck who supported them at Selena's here in Sydney. It was part of the Violent Femmes. They liked the act that was supporting them and all their friends to get up and play in the last number or two. So I got on stage with my trombone and played with the Violent Femmes. It was great fun. That is awesome and played trombone with yeah, the Violent yeah. Femmes. That's even better. And I will be proving at the Monadorama show that I cannot play the trombone. Clips, evidence that I cannot play. Nobody frowns when they hear When I'm a walking I strut my stuff and I'm so strung out bum, bum, bum. When I'm a walking I strut my stuff and I'm so strung out I'm high as a kite I just might stop to check you out Let me go on Like I glister in the sun Let me go on Big hands I know you're the one Body and beats I stain my sheet Everybody gets a smile on their face when they hear that. They had a sense of humour. And they've just got a new album out as well, people, so I would check that out if I were you. A new album from the Violent Fem? Just out. Ooh, I could be this, or I could be that. I could pull an elephant out of a hat. I could slay a dragon, or I could be a king. I could be anything. I am there. 
There's your answer to what Tim thinks of the Violent Femmes. It's interesting, people always want to know what you think. And of course, with Prince's passing recently, we were able to play what you thought of Prince from an earlier Bunga Bunga episode. It's a bit uncanny, ever all these musical people just going within a matter of months. It's kind of weird. Who is killing all the great musicians of the world? It's a scary time because, you know, they're all getting on. Tick tock, tick tock. Uh, only recently we had the tragic passing of a DJ friend of mine, Paul Holden. I was uh, honoured to give the eulogy at his funeral and there's going to be a few celebrations of his life around the place. We're even going to be doing a Jack the House 3 night, playing the dance music of, I think, 88 to 92, specifically at the Sly Fox in Enmore. So have a look at that. Just Google Sly Fox Jack the House 3 and come along. Yeah, yeah, sure. We're bringing back the Mad Club for it. Oh, man, really? The yep. Mad Club? Yep. Me and Tony Push are going to get out there and do some ma- half an hour of solid music that was big in that period. We're going to play some KLF. We're going to play some Banana Rama. We're going to really mix it up there. We may even, you know, we might even play some Rides at Fred. I'm too sexy for my car. Too sexy for my car. Too sexy by far. Well, there's only one Right Said Fred. Only an amateur would say that, Tim. There's the What A Day For A Daydream. What a day for a daydream. Custom made for a daydreaming boy. And I'm lost in a daydream. Dreaming about my bundle of they had three successful albums. Tim, you just really haven't done your research on Right Said Fred. People talk about Right Said Fred and say, wow, they're recording their difficult second song. <laughs> I would also recommend just Google Planet Maynard, Right Said Fred, and there's an interview with a member of Right Said Fred in which I go through their entire history. And if after that you don't know anything about them, you obviously weren't listening. Yeah, if you can remember them, you weren't listening to them. Two little last pieces of crank mail here, Tim. These have come in as emails. One was to me. It was from Des. Des wrote, Maynard, is there such a thing as the Maynard Party Mix CD? My memory seems to be pretty bad. The internet no longer has a memory of it either. Could you provide a link, a track listing? Well, Des, thank you very much for that. No, there was no such CD as the Maynard Party Mix. There was 18 Explosive Hits and One Real Loser. That was the first one. We had Rewind Volume 1 and Volume 2, both of which were double CDs. And then we had Maynard's Mirrorball Classics, some people called it, and that looked at the years 95 to 2000, and there was another compilation that went from 2000 to 2005. None of them were called the Maynard Party Mix, but I think if you look at the Planet Maynard, there's a couple of DJ sets there, which would be satisfactory if you were looking for a fun party mix. You haven't got the Maynard Party Mix at home, have you, Tim? Not the CD, no. (laughs) Not the video either, no. I've just got Maynard's Party Mix. It comes in a little bag with a Ziploc top. It's got peanuts in it. And Rick Canuck, and I see what you did there because he's a Canadian listener. Oh, Canada. Our home. And what are you doing? Uh, with what? No, uh, with the words. It sounds, you're speaking it. I'm singing. It's how I sing. Just, uh... Oh, Canada. That's no, no, it's good. It sounds, no, no, that's... No. Rick writes to us, read the subject of Tights Are Not Pants, a CBC skit from a show called The Irrelevant Show. There's a sketch from that called Tights Are Not Pants. Excuse Could me? you say something for us in the microphone? All you have to say is Bunga Bunga. It's the name of our show. Bunga Bunga. In what other suburb can you get people to do IDs for you? Nowhere. We tried it everywhere in Sydney, including Mount Druitt, and all we got was filthy looks from the cops. Rick Canook from The Irrelevant Show, Tights Are Not Pants. And here's a little bit of the sketch. The Canadian Broadcasting Corporation has nailed it here with The Irrelevant Show. Here's a checklist you should go through to make sure that you're not wearing tights as pants. My first question for you on Tights Are Not Pants is, why are you wearing tights as pants? 
Well, I think of these more as leggings. Oh, let me clear up that common mistake. Leggings are in fact tights, and tights are not pants. <laughs> but you're wearing leggings. I'm wearing a sweater that covers my butt just like a skirt would. Ergo, my leggings are acting as tights and not pants. If you're unsure whether you are wearing tights or pants, just ask yourself, are these tights? If they're tights, they're not pants. Because tights are not pants. Well, what about jeggings? Great question. Jeggings are leggings that look like jeans. But jeggings are still leggings, and leggings are tights, and tights, which are not pants, are not pants. <laughs> but maybe I'm wearing yoga pants. They're tight and black and form-fitting. Did you think of that? The things you're wearing on your legs right now, did you buy them in the sock section of the store? Yes. Did you have to sit on a bed, scrunch them up with both hands, and carefully pull them up and over your legs, adjusting the seam in the crotch as you got to the top? Yes. Can we all see your underwear? Probably. Then those are not yoga pants. They are tights. And tights are not pants. Oh, and that reminds me, also got someone asked us, should women wear bras? And I, I think that's far too big a question for this show. Should women wear bras? Yeah. Well, certainly Melisandre in uh, Game of Thrones should have thought earlier and gotten just a little bit more support than she has. You gotta have boobs If you wanna impress Tycoons and roofs You need boobs to fill out a sweater You need two But three might be better I don't think either of us is qualified to answer that question I think you need to ask someone like Wendy Harmer It's Wendy Harmer here for Maynard's program Oh, put it away, Maynard We've all seen it before Ask Wendy Harmer But also, my theory is Just let it out, man Just let it go Run with the wildebeests. Although, having said that, Tim Ferguson is wearing a bra right now. Oh, yeah, I always get that support. When Paul McDermott was in doing his gut work, he had your jeans are too tight as well. Well, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> oh, there goes the 431. It sounded like there were people chuffing on a bong as that went past. Well, you know, it is Glebe. I think we should thank some of our sponsors here. Now, we have had people that suggested that the background music should be... <laughs> in the Hall of the Mountain King. But I think it's good that people suggest stuff. Let's just thank some sponsors here. We want to thank Dana H. We want to thank David Hickey. We want to thank the mighty Ben Begley. Thank the guy who busts our chop, Daryl Adams. But hang on, I think we can do better than the Hall of the Mountain King. How about this? That is the music we want for our supporters. Yeah, we're so grateful. Thank you to the supporters. Get it all off. Get it all off. Nick Andrew, Peter Young, Patricia McIntosh, James Trevenna. There's Norman Fox, who's a foxy person. There is beautiful Gregory DeRay, Mel Wielden, and we love Mel. Richard Wright, who's always sometimes right. Sue Wielden of the Wielden clan. Christy Shields. We've got Mark O'Brien, Craig Walker, Michael Lovett. Grant McHeron, Andrew Waddington, Shell Lancaster doing the God's work itself, Jeremy Kirkwood, Belinda Pierce, Katie, Rebecca Jones, Katrina Hale. I must say, you all look fabulous. Danny Matthews, Lindley Kissick, we got John, just a man called John, get it all off, John, get it all off, Mark Kirby, Leon Lynch, and of course, Daniel. Thank you, thank you for your support, and thank you for you at home performing along to that backing music. 
And also thanks to DNC Lifestyles. Kittler and 9 out of 10 cats that want to annex a sedate and land agree that they look better with products from DNC Lifestyles. Yes, does your cat want their own entertainment centre? You can go to DNC Lifestyles for exactly that. And before you know it, your cat will be a property developer in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. Who else could afford to live there? I've got, I brought the bag. I brought it along here, Tim. I think you should ask the question we're all wondering. What's in Maynard's bug out bag? Well done, Ferguson, in the voiceover booth then. I've brought something along today just for a laugh. A very, very rare, I think we might have had it on the show, just for a laugh. It's basically one hit seven-inch singles by Australian comedians over the years. The one I'm interested in playing is Los Trios Ring Barkas with Cooking in the Kitchen. You guys being Melbourne-based, uh, did you have much truck with the Los Trios Ring Barkas guys? They were almost a generation before Doug Anthony's. Los Trios Ring Barkas were an inspiration to the Doug Anthony's because they had gone to the Edinburgh Festival the year before us and they had won the Perrier Award. We didn't know what either of those things were or meant, but we thought we too would go and try and do this festival. And so away we went. Los Trias Ring Barkas in the meantime had gone to the United States to make movies and follow their own star. It meant that by the time we turned up in Edinburgh, there was no competition from what is probably the greatest Australian comedy duo ever created. Bizarre, absurdist, high energy, dangerous the works. I recommend to our overseas listeners that may not, or even the Australian listeners, just Google a bit of Los Trios Ring Barkas and just have a bit of a look. They truly were in a league of their own, not only in Australia, but in many performers around the world. And it was like their show was playing a surreal joke on the audience. By saying they were the best, I'm not saying that Lano and Woodley aren't also the best. They're all the best, except only Stephen Kearney could get an entire pack of jats into his mouth. I am looking for the B-side of this, actually, because they had people of Earth where they were doing all these different lines and weird noises from the day the Earth stood still. It was the B-side they did in someone's lounge room. I've got that at home somewhere on Real to Real Tape. We will play that sometime. But if you, if you could send me people of Earth if you've got it at home, that'd be great. A bit of the A-side here... Cooking in the Kitchen. This is during a time when Australian stand-up comics would release seven-inch singles because that was kind of the thing you did back then, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, you just sort of put it out and see who caught it. You're making a mockery of that crockery. 
that part. It's like a city sometimes. <laughs> like history we got some history for you we put tim at an important place a pivotal place in history and we ask him how would it have worked out brother if you were there it's time for tim's historical hypothetical i'm not ready i'm not ready don't expect too much tim the year 1797 oh i'm ready i'm ready the place nether stowey in the southwest of england they're ready they're always ready you are poet. Oh. Uh, you are Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Ah, oh, no, I like that. Now you're talking. You've had quite a bit of opium, okay? You're off your bean on the opium. You are imagining your great poem, Kubla Khan. You're getting it all together. Suddenly, someone knocks on the door and they interrupt the whole thing. What the whole world has always wanted to know why that poem was never completely finished is who was that person at the door and what did they want? Well, this was well before Avon had started knocking on doors. Yeah, 1797. But people still had to sell stuff. It was a hawker. What were they hawking? Well, what, what ruined one of the greatest poems in literature? It stopped the Pleasure Dome from being erecting, very simply, more opium. Wow. That was it. And not only did the poem finish, but you didn't get the washing up done for two months. <laughs> and there was washing up that needed to be done. There's your answer. It was the visiting drug dealer. It's so obvious. It is completely obvious. If you've been smoking it all day, perhaps the supply was running a bit low. Back in those days, they didn't have ding-dong, but they did have a cowbell. People knew what the sound of a cowbell meant. I got a fever, and the only prescription it's more cowbell. And I can hear the sound of people all over Australia wanting to know Tim Ferguson's right of reply, where Tim Ferguson answers a question that no one has asked. Bunga Bunga 26, it's time for Tim Ferguson's right of reply. Over to Ferguson. Well, we're a week out from the budget when this recording is happening. When you, dear listener, are listening to this, this will be in the distant past. But I'm going to make some predictions about the Australian federal government created by Scott Morrison, treasurer, and what's his name? Oh, yeah, Malcolm, what's the, I don't know, the middle name, Turnbull. Very simply, you know Scott Morrison was the guy who stopped the boats? Is that the person that you would put in charge of the economy? The most important thing you've ever done is stop something. Yes, that's right. And you're going to be running the economy. Yes, that's right. Can you see why we're all a bit worried? No, I can't. The problems as outlined by Mr. Turnbull and Mr. Morrison cannot be solved. If we are in a financial crisis, if we are crippled by debt, if the government cannot sustain itself, no budget on earth will be able to fix it. I have an inkling that we do have a fair safety net and that we'll all be fine. But in the meantime, Malcolm, is caught between a rock and a hard place. The rock is the Australian people, and the hard place is the right wing of the Liberal Party. People will say he'll wimp, but I don't think he will wimp it. I think he will do worse. I think he will do whatever Tony Abbott tells him. So if you've got money, spend it. Tim Ferguson's, he's moved from the buy gold to spend all your cash. Get rid of it now, because it will not be worth a lot. That's Market Watch with Tim Ferguson. 
Tim, before we head off, I think we need a sound effect request. I would like to hear Fred Bassett, the cartoon dog, eating a giant waffle. There you go, Tim, fresh from the Maynard International Studios Sound Library. That was one sloppy meal. And you've been listening to one very sloppy meal with Tim Ferguson and Maynard here in Bunga Bunga 26. Please go to the Bunga Bunga Facebook page, go to Planet Maynard and put that into your podcast receiver and you'll get it whenever you do. Go to maynard.com.au and for all your Ferguson information, go to Twitter at Real Tim Ferguson and go to Patreon and look up this address. Patreon.com slash Maynard. I've been unemployed for five years now and part of that time I was working at the ABC. And that's why the economy is slumped. So come on, get onto it, people. Next time the anaesthetic wears off, you'll be in Bunga Bunga, or as we say here, Bunga Bunga. Bunga Bunga.
Tonga. <laughs> On Maynard.com.au. Hey, you! 